Good morning and happy Sabbath, church. It is such a pleasure to be in Las Vegas this afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here at Abundant Life. My message today is entitled Salt, is entitled Salt. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious God, we are so thankful to be in your house, so awed by your presence. And Lord, we just pray that you would take hold of our hearts today and shake us up. Shake us up, God, that we could leave here as new people, as different people, people who are more committed to your will for our life, for we ask it in the name of him who died for us. Amen. Okay, if you're a teenager this morning, I'd like for you to stand up. If you're a teenager or a teenager at heart, you can stand up. All right, we have a number of teenagers who are here. Fantastic. If, uh, if, you like com if you don't like computer games, I want you to sit down. If you're a teenager who doesn't like computer games, you can sit down. Okay, I see a few teenagers still standing. I'm looking for the first hand. Who can tell me what the number one selling computer game of all time is? 
All right, right back there with the red shirt. He's sitting down. No, it's not. Any of our teenagers who are standing know what the number one selling computer game of all time is. Yes, sir. What? Nope. Good guess, but no. I'll take one more guess. Anybody here want to have a guess? Xbox. Xbox? Not Xbox. All right, thank you for helping me, teenagers. I'm going to give you the answer. The number one selling computer game of all time is Sims. Sims. And in case you don't know what Sims is, I'll tell you. Sims is basically Barbie dolls for teenage girls. If there are any gentlemen here today that enjoy Sims, my apologies to you. My heart goes out to you. A few years ago, my daughter Allison, uh, her cousin gave her a disc of Sims and she put it in the computer. It was summertime and she was playing it every day. And she said, uh, she said, Daddy, come play this game with me. And I said, okay, tell me about it. What's the game? And she said, well, you make this little person. You can make them look however you want to make them look. You dress them. You help them uh, have a house to live in, and you decorate the house for them. You help them find a job, and you help them find friends, and you make sure that they take a bath and that they eat and all these things. And I said, Allison, that sounds a lot like raising children to me. I'm not sure I want to play that game. I do that all day long anyway. And she said, oh, please, Daddy, come play with me. So I sat down to play with her, and uh, she made a little person for me. And she gave my person a little house, and then she helped me decorate the house with furniture and, you know, all the things that my little person would need. She helped my person find a job. But my little person was sad. He had no friends. And so Allison's little person invited my little person over for dinner. And so they were in the kitchen together, and Allison's little person was stirring a pot on the stove, and horribly, there was a kitchen fire. And her little person perished in the flames. And I said, Allison, I am so sorry. I said, you have been playing this game for hours now, for a couple of weeks. And now your little person that you've worked so hard to build, is they're gone. And she said, oh, Daddy, she said, it doesn't matter. She said, I just won't push safe. And I got to thinking about that. Wouldn't that be neat if we could do that in our lives? You know, get a speeding ticket on the way to church. Oh, we're just going to not save today. We're going to start right over again. Have a, have a fight with your spouse. Not going to save this one. Going to back up and all those words I said, they're just going to be gone. Do something you wish you hadn't and you just don't press save. That'd be kind of nice if we could do that, wouldn't it? But would it really? Would it really? If we could really actually do that, would anything that we, we did, would it really matter? If you could just undo everything, or someone else could undo everything, would anything we did have meaning? It wouldn't, would it? And more than anything, we want our lives to matter. God created us that way to want to make a difference in our world, 
in our life and in the lives of other people. Nobody joins a team hoping that they'll just ride the bench. Nobody gives a gift hoping that it won't be opened. Nobody devotes their life to a company, and when it's time to retire, they say, boy, I hope they don't throw a party for me. I hope I can just slip out the door and they'll never miss me. Nobody hopes that when it's time for their funeral that no one will show up and no one will cry and no one will care. Because you see, we want to make a difference. And not just for ourselves. We want to leave the world a better place. When it's time to go, we want someone to say, my life is richer. My world is bigger. My faith is stronger. I'm a better person because of that individual. She made a difference. He changed my life. We want our lives to make a difference. And God created us that way. He made you with a desire to count, to want to matter. Did uh, everybody here get some salt when you came in today? Did you get a little packet of salt? If you're a visitor today, you may be wondering, is this some kind of weird Adventist thing that you give out condiments at church? You know, if I come next week, will it be a, a soy sauce or hot sauce? What are you going to give me next week? Well, no, everybody got a little packet of salt to help us remember something that Jesus said to his students. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. Now, to really understand what Jesus is talking about, you have to understand that salt played a, a, an important role in Jesus' world, a much more important role in his world than it plays in ours. Does anyone here know what the number one use of salt is in the United States? Turn to the person next to you. Tell them what you think is the number one use of salt in the United States. How many of you said table salt? How many of you said table salt? Good. Nobody, well, a few did. That's not the number one use. In fact, only 8% of salt actually finds its way onto our tables or into our food. 51% of the salt in the United States is used to de-ice roads. It's poured out on the road. And so only 8% is used for food and even then we're a little bit ambivalent about it aren't we if you're like me your doctor has told you you need a low sodium diet it's more healthy to eat that way but in the ancient world it was a different story people discovered that salt was magic it kept corruption from setting in to food it, it abated bacteria it kept the food pure and, and you could continue to eat it long after it had been produced. And so salt literally contributed to the outcome of life and death. If you, in times of plenty, you could pack your food away in salt and preserve it for times of famine. And so if you had, if you had salt, you had life. They also discovered that salt brings out the flavor in food. There are special taste buds on our tongue that respond directly 
to salt. And so salt became highly prized. Most of the ancient Italian cities, including Rome, were founded on salt works. In fact, they say that the Roman Empire was the salt empire. The Romans paid their soldiers in salt, and that's where we get the word salary. Sal is Latin for salt. Even today, we say things like, she's worth her salt, right? We still hang on to that. And so people went to war over salt, and salt was used to finance war. You see, friends, you can't understand how important salt was in Jesus' day until you understand that it was something special to them. Plato said that salt was dear to the gods, and Homer said that salt was a divine substance. The only thing that we can compare salt to in our day is oil. Is oil. It's better than currency. Empires built on it. And then here comes Jesus talking to his little ragtag band of followers, his little motley crew, and he tells them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Whatever flavor and zest this world is going to have, it's going to come from you. You are my plan to keep de uh, corruption, decay, and death from setting into this world. You are the salt of the earth. And you know what, friends? Jesus wasn't just talking to his disciples then. He's talking to us today in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he's telling you today that you are the salt of the earth. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fantastic? It's staggering. Maybe it's a little hard for you to believe this morning that, that God has created you with such a special purpose. But we are the salt of the earth, and you are the salt of the earth. Now, there are some sobering implications to this. First and foremost being that salt does not exist for its own sake. When was the last time you went to someone's home and you're sitting around the dinner table and you turn to your spouse and you say, isn't this a wonderful meal? And you turn to the hostess and say, oh, this is such a wonderful meal. But I have to ask you, what brand of salt do you use? And the hostess says, well, I use Morton's, of course. And you turn to your spouse and you say, honey, we have got to go back to Morton's. We've got to quit using generic salt and go back to Morton's. Nobody ever does that, do they? No, of course not. Salt does not call attention to itself. Nobody gets hungry and says, mmm, I would love to have a bowl of salt. <laughs> Salt's purpose is to become lost in something more glorious than itself. And when it does that, it has fulfilled its destiny. Your salt, your salt, you've just got to get out of the packet. And if you do, wow, one person living on purpose for God can make such a difference in our world. One person out of the packet living on purpose for God can change the entire world. How many of you have seen the movie Bridge Over the River Kwai? Maybe you've read the book. That account is a true story and it's based on the true life experience 
of a man named Ernest Gordon. Ernest Gordon was a British Army officer captured by uh, the Japanese during World War II. He, along with thousands and thousands of other men, were put in a labor camp, and they were forced to build a railroad through the jungles of Thailand. And the conditions were horrific. The heat was 120 degrees with high humidity. Their bodies were stung by insects and ravaged by disease. Their bare feet were cut by stones. If a prisoner slacked off in his duties, the guard would beat him to death. Otherwise, the men were worked until they died. And when they became too sick to work, they would carry them to a place called the house of death. The house of death. The conditions were so brutal that 80,000 men died building the railroad through the jungles of Thailand. 393 dead bodies for every mile of railroad track. Imagine if you drove 10 miles to church this morning and passed 3,930 bodies on the way, on the side of the road. That's what they were dealing with in Thailand. The prisoners who survived lived like animals. The strong would beat the weak for a few grains of rice, and the only thing keeping them alive was hatred. It was a culture of hate. And then one day, one man made a difference. One man made a difference. They were on a work detail, and it was the end of the day. And the guards required that all of the tools be inventoried at the end of every workday. And so they counted the shovels and the picks and the crowbars. And when they had done an accounting, they found that they were one shovel short. The guard lined all the men up in a row that were on this particular work detail. And he said, okay, who stole the shovel? No one stepped forward. He said, I'm going to give you one chance to tell me who stole the shovel. Nobody stepped forward. He took his carbine. He worked the bolt action on it. He stepped to the first man in line and shot him in the head. He said, who stole the shovel? No one stepped forward. He again worked the slide on the carbine was lifting the, the barrel of the rifle towards the second man when an enlisted man stepped out of line and he said, wait, wait, don't shoot him. I took the shovel. I took it. The guard turned to this man and beat him to death with the stock of his weapon. That evening when they got back to the, where they slept, they recounted the shovels, and they found that they had only miscounted. There was no missing shovel. Just a mistake. No one had stolen anything. And that night, as the men sat around in a circle, one of them remembered a verse from the Bible. John 15, verse 13. Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And something happened in that camp because of that man's sacrifice. 
prisoners started treating the dead with respect. Prior to that, when a man died, they would roll his body into a ditch and keep going. Now, when a man died, they would have a Christian service, a funeral. They would bury him properly and erect a wooden cross at the head of his grave. Those who were strong began to share what they had with those who were weak. Ernest Gordon himself had been paralyzed by fever. They had taken him to the house of death. He had written his last letter to his mother and father in England. He was waiting to die. He was waiting to die. Some men came in and carried him out. They gave him little bits of food to eat, sips of water. They massaged the muscles in his body. They bathed him, cleaned him. And this act of kindness caused Ernest Gordon to think about God. He hadn't thought about God in a long, long time. But Gordon felt like that this was the work of God. And so when he recovered, he, he proposed to the men in that camp that they start a little church. And they did. They started a little church in this camp where men were dying by the thousands. And Ernest Gordon became the unofficial pastor. They planted a garden to grow medicinal plants to help those who were ill. It's an amazing story. They even opened something that they called the Jungle University. They taught courses in history and philosophy and science and mathematics. And in nine languages, including Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and Sanskrit, they created an alternative culture to the culture of death that was pervading them. An alternative culture to the culture of death. You know, Jesus has a name for that. He calls it the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God broke out in power in the jungles of Thailand. And that's what God's kingdom does. It crops up in the most unlikely of places. These men became so transformed that when liberating armies arrived, instead of taking revenge on their captors, they treated them with kindness, respect, and forgiveness, and begged liberating armies not to harm these men who had tortured them. Gordon's own life was turned upside down by this experience, and much to his surprise, he returned to England and enrolled in the seminary and became a pastor. All of this started with one single difference maker. One man, one man who was willing to sacrifice all. Never underestimate the power of one person who wants to make a difference because one person can change the entire world. And friends, Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. We're it, folks. We're not here just to hold services or, or run programs or meet in our own little classes. Salt doesn't exist for its own sake. We are here to permeate a dying world in the same way that salt permeates food. You see, God is not giving us a command. He's not saying, okay, everybody, I want you to try to be salty. Let's work hard to get salty. Let's be saltier. 
Now, Jesus is making an observation. He is saying, you are already the salt of the earth. You're it. You are the salt of the earth. Anytime a person becomes so immersed in Jesus that they begin to get liberated from the cares of this world, they get salty. And so God is calling us to get liberated from the cares of this world and immerse ourselves in Jesus and watch the salt pour out of us. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But friends, here's what our culture will do to you. It will seduce you into spending your time doing good things that don't matter. You'll spend your life being so busy, so driven, and so preoccupied that you will spend your life doing good things that don't matter. And it will seduce us into believing, even as the church, that church is about us. Church isn't about us, friends. It's not about us. Because we are salt of the earth. We are salt of the earth. I wonder if there's anyone here today who needs to say, Jesus, I want to die to this culture. And I want to be fully and completely sold out for you. The good news is, is that when someone in God's community gets salty, it begins to spread. It becomes contagious. When someone allows Jesus to use them to make a difference, other people are reminded that they want their lives to make a difference as well. That's what we all want and what we all need. And friends, if we let him, we can make such a difference in this city. We should be sprinkled out amongst the people of Las Vegas, making a difference that will be life-changing and heaven-impacting. We should be known as the people who help renovate homes for the needy. We should be known as the people who help single moms with their kids. We should be known as the people who visit prisoners in prison. We should be known as the people who help keep children off drugs. We should be known as the people who serve meals to our local police officers and fire departments. We should be known as the people who invest our lives in the lives of other people. We should be known as people who love, who love unconditionally. And we should never forget our purpose, which is to share the good news of the salvation in relevant ways with people around us. Because we are the salt of this city. We're it. If it's going to happen, it's up to us. No one else is going to do it. If it's going to happen... It's up to us. We are God's plan to fight decay and corruption and all of the evil in this sorry, dark world. We are sent here to make life winsome and attractive and tasty and joyful. And Jesus is looking for someone this morning who will say, I want to die to this culture. I will not live in slavery to its values. I will not spend my lifetime and energy according to the things that this world tells me that are important. I want to live as salt of the earth. Lord, I will allow you to flow through me. I will be completely sold out to you today. You know, my favorite book of the Bible, if you can have a favorite book, is the book of Acts. Because they lived as salt of the earth. It was amazing. People who were against them thought they could stop 
the early church by persecuting the leaders and throwing them into prison. Guess what happened? Prisons got salty. Prisoners were converted and jailers were converted. They thought they could stop the church by kicking them out of Jerusalem. And guess what happened? Asia Minor got salty and all of Europe got salty. All of the known world got salty. Just played right into God's plan. Got the Christians out of the shaker and into the world. You are the salt of this city. All you have to do, friends, is get out where the world is. And it will begin to permeate your home and your neighborhood and your place of business and your school. And then someone else will get the inspiration. And their home and their neighborhood and their place of business and their school will begin to get salty. Because you see, friends, we are the salt of Las Vegas. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter how many degrees follow your name. Doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. It only matters where God is going to take you now. Only matters where he's going to take you. Because he doesn't care about your past. He only cares about your future. Do you have any idea what God could do with all of us if we said, okay, God, my number one priority in life is living life as you want me to live it. Everything I've got, my time, my talent, my energy, my whole heart, all of my resources that you've put in my care and keeping, they're now committed and dedicated to your will. Everything that I have is yours. I am completely sold out to you. What could God do with us? What could God do? God's calling someone today to say, I will lay down everything because I want to serve the biggest difference maker who ever lived. Jesus Christ made a difference in this world that's still being felt 2,000 years after his death. He had an impact on this world like no one ever had. He said, I will pour out my life. I will pour out my life. And he started this community of followers. And it's still spreading. And it's still shaking. And we are in this church today because of him. And so here's what we're going to do, friends. Here's my job and yours for the next week. I'm going to prayerfully join you in this journey. For the next seven days, I want you to hang on to your packet of salt. If you didn't get one, go to McDonald's or Jack in the Box and get one. And for the next seven days, keep it in your pocket. Tape it on your mirror. Tape it on your television remote control or your Game Boy. Put it on the steering wheel of your car, on your reading glasses, wherever you will see it most often. And every time you see it, say to yourself... I am the salt of the earth. Jesus said it, and I believe it. Every time you see it, say that. And then next Friday evening, as you are welcoming in God's Sabbath, here's what I want you to do. As a family, a family might just be you. You may live alone, and you are the family that you have right here. Or you may be like me and have five kids, and you're, you know... Gathered around the table. Whatever your family is, as you gather around, I want you to take your packet of salt. And I want you as a family to look each other in the eye and say, 
we are the salt of Las Vegas. And I want you to pour it open and spread it out all over the table. And if you're too OCD for that, make a pot of soup and pour it in it. <laughs> but just pour it out. Pour it out. And then say, Lord, we pour out our lives. We pour out our lives. Show us how you want us to live. Show us what you want us to do. And then pray about that and talk about that as you eat your meal together. Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. With all our flaws and all our fallenness, we are still the salt of the earth. Jesus poured out his life for us. Friends, let's pour out our lives for him. I'm asking nobody to move. We have been touched by this word. And I don't know if you were asleep. I don't know if uh, you saw it. But the Holy Spirit was moving in this place. As our dear pastor told us that we are the salt of Las Vegas. Some of us came in here and we just came to church just to come to church. And that's it. Unfortunately, some of us is going to leave this place. And you're going to leave the same way. that you came in. I don't know if you understand the purpose, our purpose here. I don't, understand, I don't know if you understand the mission that God has called you into here. You may be a visitor and you say, well, I'm just coming to chill out at this church in Las Vegas. God has purposed you here right now. There's something that you need to take from here. There's an anointing that you need to receive as we transition from this place to wherever you're going after that. And as I heard Pastor Huskins uh, telling us, talking about salt, it, it, it brought to light um, indeed truly the, the mission that God has called us here for. And one thing I'm realizing that as, as Christians, uh, we are dropping the ball in many, many different ways. And we are being held accountable. Now, I don't know if the Holy Spirit has touched you in any way, shape, or form today and you realize that you have been touched. Jesus walked through your community today. Did his robe touch you? Did you feel the spirit touch you? Did you feel the moving of the Holy Spirit 
today. If you felt it, stand. The truth is, God is calling an army. But let me let you know that many are sleeping on the mission. We're being caught up in the stuff. And God, he wants to wake us up. So my fellow Christian, sister Christian, our brother Christian, it's time to get your stuff together. Or else we will find ourselves in an inconvenient spot. Today, I'm going to make a call. And I'm calling God's people in the ranks to stand. There are people that came to church this morning. You're not a member of this church, but you know you belong. You know it. And God is calling you. Now, I'm going to be calling you to move first. Because I don't want anybody to lose out on the blessing. Yeah, I'm not asking you for your money. I'm not asking you to give anything, to sign over anything. All I'm asking you is to take a stand. You want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to say, Jesus, you are the one. The one and only one. And I want to respond to you today. Today you have two choices. You could remain where you are and continue down a path of destruction. Or you can respond to God. There's a call. And the call is for anyone that want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Relinquishing the world, saying no to the world. Whether you're a visitor passing through town, it don't matter. You're a human being and you need to be saved. God is calling you right now in full confidence under the authority of the Holy Spirit. I stand here today and I call you into the ranks of God. I'm calling you to accept him as the Lord, as your personal Lord and Savior. If it's, this is your desire... I'm asking you to slip out of your pew that you're in and come forward. We want to pray for you. You want to accept Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who died. Jesus Christ who gave all. You want to accept him as your Lord and Savior today. He says, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Brother, praise the Lord. Straight from the overflow into the house, praise God. The call is there for you. Will you not give Jesus your heart? He's calling you today.
Would you let Jesus wait on you? Praise God, sister. Won't you give your life, give your heart, give your all to Jesus today? Too long we stand and waiting for things which do not come. Too long we have expected our battles to be won, but you have never lifted your finger for the name of Jesus Christ. The time is now. Will you not come to Christ today? Give your life to him today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. I want everybody saved. If you came to the front today, I want, to want you to join me up here. Join me. It's all right, sister. It's all right. It's okay. Join me. Praise the Lord. Uh, Lord, I'm not finished yet. There are individuals that want to. You may have left the path and you want to come back. And you want to say, God, I'm coming back. I'm the comeback kid. I'm coming back home. I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to join me. You have left the path, but you want to come back. You want to say, God, I want you to recharge me. The salt have faded. I have lost my savor or my flavor. I want to come back. If this is your desire, come back. Join me. Come up here on the platform. Praise the Lord. Come on up. Praise the Lord. I know there are others. And you're holding out on the Holy Ghost. God is calling you. Feel free to come. Church. As we finish and close out this evening, this afternoon, as we close out, God He wants to do something in your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He wants to do something in your life. Won't you allow him? I want to invite pastor to come forward again. And we want to have an anointing, a prayer of anointing upon these individuals. Elders of the church, come forward, please. Elder Brown, Elder Stanford, come forward. Elder McDavid, come forward.
come forward. Our dear Bible worker, Sister Bray, come forward. I'm going to ask Pastor, please, we want to get everybody in the middle. Everyone that came forward, we're asking you to say a prayer of anointing upon these individuals as they accept the Lord as a renewal. Gracious God in heaven. Father, we are so thankful that we serve a God like you, a God who loves us beyond anything we can imagine, a Father who runs to meet us when we have wandered away, a Savior who died for us, and Lord, I'm so thankful for my friends here on this platform. I'm thankful for the commitment and the decision that they're making today to follow you with all their heart and all their life. And Lord, I pray that it will be a witness to the rest of us that we will see their witness and order our lives in the same fashion. And so I pray your blessing and your covering over them. May you fill them with your Holy Spirit, with your love and power. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. This evening at 5 o'clock. This evening at 5 o'clock, I'm asking you to come back out. Um, we have a seminar. It's going to be directed to you. And uh, we believe that this is going to represent a shift in your life. And so we want you to come out to be blessed by uh, the message that you'll hear in this seminar. Um, Remember um, this after this uh, 